didn't quite finish it, so I'm going to just round up on what we were talking on last week, and then I really want to try and get to the worship and finish today. So I'm going to go a little bit fast, and then I'm going to slow it down a little bit, because I want to get to the worship side, and I want to bring it to a conclusion. When we look at the area of praise, we know that of the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, one whole tribe was named Judah because after, after, after the, 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 the head of the family. One tribe was called Judah, and they were the praisers and the worshippers. But we have been called a peculiar people unto our God so that we worship him because we are kings and priests unto our God. And I think it's really important that we remember we are priests and kings. That when we're in the workplace, we are kings and priests. We, we give of our best to God. We live out of the best of who we are to him. Last week, we looked at exhortation, declaration, proclamation, and then we got into spiritual warfare. All those are elements of what praise is. And we got to this point when Jesus was in the, in the temple, and he was quoting from Psalm 8, and Jesus said, Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. In, in Psalm 8, it's talking about praise is strength. When you're going through a tough time, when you're going through a, a period of time, maybe you're facing um, temptations or you're facing mental anguish, maybe you're f- facing health issues, you're struggling with temptation, whatever it is that may be going on in your world, when you praise God, there is a strength from heaven that comes. When you're walking through the valley of, of, of difficult times, the Spirit of God, when you begin to praise Him, it's, it's like he, he places He inhabits the praises of his people. So when God turns up, when you praise and God turns up, strength comes. It's a supernatural equation. I wasn't good at maths at school. I'm still not particularly good at maths right now. But there is a godly equation, a spiritual equation that takes place. You praise God's presence, you strong. All right? If you can remember that, that's a good equation to remember. But it's perfected praise. When we praise God and we praise him from our heart, there is a perfected praise. No wonder Jesus said, I'm looking for a people who will worship me in spirit and in truth. When we are worshiping, when we're praising with a right heart, there is something that is so powerful that is released. Whether we're singing the songs and the lyrics of man as we have done this morning, or when we're singing the songs and the praise of the Spirit in our heart. Because there are two different variations of praise. I love to sing the songs that man has, like I do, waited on the Lord. We've, they've pieced them together, they've fashioned them, and, and then they've created a song. Great. But there is a song of heaven that is the song of the Spirit in our heart. That, that Very often I, I'm, I may be singing the song of the song that we're singing from the lyrics... And I would go off and start singing my own song, not because I don't know the words, but because the Spirit of God is just pouring into me. And I just want to release the spiritual song that's in my heart. Now, we can all do that. Some people will just be here and we will worship with the songs of the, the, the lyrics on the screen. That's fine. But when you go 
and you begin to sing out the spirit of your heart, the melody that he's placed in your life, you're connecting in a different realm than there is the natural. When you're reading off a screen, you're connecting in the natural and you're allowing the presence of God to, to be in the room and into your life. But when you connect through the spirit and you're singing and making melody in your spirit unto the Lord, something uniquely begins to take place. So I want to encourage you to sing in the spirit and to sing in the natural. It's not one or the other. It's both. I, and, and I believe it's really important. And there's sometimes when I don't, I, I'm, I'm not looking at the words and the lyrics, and I'm just singing, I may sing my, <laughs> I'm sure Grace heard me this morning, you know, everybody else was singing one word and I was singing other words. You know, I, 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 I don't actually care whether I'm singing the words on the screen. I'm making melody in my heart. And I think that's the key, what God is looking for. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for praises. He's looking for those that aren't fixated by a screen and the words. He's looking for those who will just yearn to reach out and be in his presence. And, and in praise, it is so important. You know, I, I, I can praise, I can praise, you know, last, last Tuesday wasn't the best day for me in the office. You know, but I, I had to keep a song in my heart, and making melody before the Lord. In the journey of your life, our praise is a weapon. Our praise, see, we, we can get excited about praise because we can, we can be active and moving. And, but when it comes to worship, the, the, the stance for worship is heart, hands high, heart abandoned, and in total focus and love with God. So, so praise is powerful. And, and this is one of my, my all-time favorite scriptures in the Bible. Um, I've gone here over and over again for my life, my journey. Uh, many of you wouldn't know the journeys and the, the battles that we've had to face over the years and are still facing today. But this is my go-to battle verses. And it's not David and Goliath, and I love David and Goliath, but this is Jehoshaphat when he was king of Judah. And it was during his reign. It was during the time that he was in charge and, and reigning over um, the king, as king of Judah that a coalition army, a group of nations came against Jehoshaphat. And the Bible says he didn't know what to do. Have you ever been in a situation you think, I don't know what to do? I don't know what to do with my kids. I don't know what to do with my grandkids. I don't know what to do with my work boss. I don't know what to do regarding my health. I don't know what to do regarding how can I get people to do this or serve or to be here or to be there. How? I don't know what else to do. And Jehoshaphat said, but my eyes are on you. In every moment, every situation, we can't get despondent. We have to turn and face the Lord and say, I don't know what else to do, but my eyes are on you. My trust is in you. My hope is in you. And in this situation, he, as a leader, gathered the, na uh, the, the nation of Judah around him, the, the nation of praise around him. He gathered them and said, look, we're going to pray and we're going to fast. I'll tell you two good keys when, you're, when your back's against the wall, when you don't know what to do. Pray and fast. That's the first thing to do. It's not a case of you know, run around like headless chicken trying to fix it yourself. It's not a case of necessarily going to the word and the, where's my scripture? Pray and fast. 
And in your prayer and fast, then seek the Lord for a scripture to stand on and then go to war in praise, in worship, and with the word of God. So he called for an assembly. He called for everyone to gather around him, which they did. And it was during this time, as as they prayed and as they fasted, God downloaded the next step. How they were going to defeat the armies that were coming against them. Do you know what? It's in our times of prayer and fasting, not just at the beginning of the year, but through the year, that you'd spend time in prayer and in fasting. When you're about to make an important decision for your family, for your life, for your finance, make, a, make it a part of your lifestyle to pray and fast over those situations. Don't just accept, well, I believe I'm going to have the wisdom of the Lord. You have the wisdom of the Lord, but very often that wisdom is released when we pray and we fast because we are more sensitive to what God may want to say. And it's in those moments we hear clearer what God is saying than when we're living in the busyness of our life, trying to hear what he may say and assume that we've heard, but actually it's our own thinking or what we want him to say. But in this moment, God gave Jehoshaphat the key and the answer to what he needed. And it wasn't conventional. See, sometimes in our life, we're looking for, for the key answers. Oh, yeah, that lines up. I think that's the right answer. I think that makes me feel comfortable. But when God spoke to Jehoshaphat, it didn't necessarily make him feel comfortable. It didn't make him feel, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they can handle this. But it was a faith stand in the midst of what could have been chaos. And God said, I want you to put the worshippers out there before the army. Now, that doesn't make sense because they're unarmed. They've got musical instruments. Imagine Phil going to war. Okay, here we go. Let's go to war, guys. <laughs> you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense. You know, Archie on his keyboard, how it's strapped around his neck. Okay, we're going to war. It doesn't make sense to the natural. But we are not wrestling against natural flesh and blood, but against principalities and the powers and the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And what doesn't feel natural, uh, feel right to the natural, actually may be the right thing to do spiritually. And here, the praises went out first. And they went out declaring this. Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. If you ever get in a tight spot, that's a good praise song. Praise the Lord for his goodness endures forever. I will praise the Lord. No matter what the circumstances may say, I will praise the Lord for his mercy. That which I don't deserve, that which I shouldn't have, his mercy will be poured out in my life. I love this. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Verse 22, and it says, Now they began to sing and to praise. When you think, when they went round the walls of Jericho, you know, Jericho is another, it's a stronghold. When you come against strongholds in your life, what do you do? They sent out the praises. This isn't a one time it worked here. It happened over and over and over again in the Bible. They sent out the praises. In Joshua, they sent out the praises as they walked around the walls of Jericho. There was silence, 
But there was also the praisers and the worshippers who were there and going around and around. And when the seventh day came and they let loose the trumpets and they let loose their voices, the praises of God in the atmosphere, something was happening in the atmosphere before it happened in the natural. Remember that in your journey when you don't see anything happen. Well, I'm praising you, Lord. Something's happening in the spiritual before it happens in the natural. It is always in that, uh, in that order. If you want to see something break in your physical body, sickness, disease, uh, pressure, mind, mindsets, you've got to deal with it in the spiritual before you'll see it outworked in the natural. We're dealing with spiritual forces. And here it says, and now they sang, uh, began to sing and, and, and praise, and the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the king of Ammon and Moab stood up against uh, the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they also helped to destroy one another. God turned. They were coming to attack Judah. God turned the circumstances, and they began to attack one another. He set confusion in the enemy's camp. I'll tell you what, that is what I want in my life. That when the enemies of of my life or enemies of this church or God's church come against me, that God starts to set ambushes and the enemy implodes and attacks each other. That's what your praise does. When you're praising here on Monday morning or on your way to work, on your way home from work, you've had a bad day, and you start to praise, you set ambushes for your enemies, not the natural ones, All right, we remember flesh and blood we don't fight against, but all those that are being used by the work of the enemy, he sets ambushes against them to destroy them. There are three levels of praise. Praise, praising God for what he gives. See, does God give us things? Absolutely. I believe God continually gives into our life. We may not always recognize it, but God is always giving If you're alive here this morning, God gave you breath. Like he did with Adam on the very first day. He breathed the breath of life and he became a living being. We, if there was nothing else God gave us except breath at the beginning of this day, we should be praising him with all of our might. Because the alternative to having breath in your lungs is death. We praise God for what he gives. We praise God for what he does. God is doing things in your life. I love, I love the fact that, um, is it Ruth, Ruth and Boaz, that Boaz went out and he said, look, to, to, to those that were, were his, um, his servants and, and those in the fields, he said, look, I want you to leave heapfuls, heapfuls of grain so that when Ruth comes along, she finds it. Do you know what? Boaz is a type of Christ. He's a type of, of Jesus in our life. Do you know, Jesus sets you up with things that we come across in our life and you think, oh, what a blessing. Why? He's already been there before you. He's already set you up with the blessing of God in your life. This is what praise will do for you and I. And we praise God for what he does. But we also praise God for who he is. We praise God for what he gives, for what he does. But ultimately, it's for who he is. He is. That should be the only, that should be the, the primary reason 
I'm going to praise God, not for what he gives me, not for what I can get from him, not for what he wants to do for me, but for who he is in my life. Now, that concludes praise, all right? We're on worship now. But not a lot changes because it's still heart. One involves the soul very much more. Praise very much is a soul-based yet spiritual thing. Because just like David said, bless the Lord, O my soul. He had to speak to himself because he didn't always feel like it. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Rejoice. It's, it's something that the soul is involved in. But worship is very much a spiritual thing. And I just, I'm, I'm really excited. If you're a, if you're a praiser, <clears throat> you've probably enjoyed last week and a bit of this morning. If you're a worshiper, if you're a praiser and you're not so much of a worshiper, listen to what I have to say. If you're a worshiper this morning, you're going to love what I'm going to say. Worship is showing our worth for who God is in our life. Worship in this setting brings a depth and a strength to collective worship in this room. See, I can worship, and I do, on my knees, on the floor, in my pokey little office, and I give God my heart as I worship him in spirit and in truth. But in this setting, there are like-minded people doing like-minded things. And I believe that the corporate anointing of each of us is like it was in the day the temple, Solomon's temple was built. And the Bible says that the presence of God fell in that place and they couldn't stand and the attendants couldn't do what they would normally do because the presence of God was so real. I believe we can have that in our collective times of worship together. I believe there are some in the room who worship in that heart who encounter that on a weekly basis. Or there are some who occasionally think, oh, what a beautiful meeting, what a beautiful time. There are others that may not really, if you like, step beyond the curtain, the veil, and go into the Holy of Holies. Worship is about you passing through the curtain. Jesus has rent the curtain. He, 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 from top to bottom, top to bottom, he rent the curtain so that we could enter the Holy of Holies and worship him with all of our heart. There are some who do. There are some who encounter in part. There are some who are still always beyond the curtain. And this morning I just hope that the word that I bring will enable us to get beyond the curtain into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God. Just like it was for praise, there are many expressions and words that the Bible uses for worship. And I just want to go through just a, I think it's three, I think I put down maybe four. There's Barak. <clears throat> Barak means to, to kneel, to bless God, to bow down. You know, for some in the room, you may not be able to get back. If you, get, if you got down on your knees, you may not be able to get back up again, all right? So it actually means to bow. You can, you can, you can bow in the presence of God. 
You may, you may not be able to stay there for long, but you, we can all bow. I guess if the, if, if the Royal Highness came into the room, we would probably all think about, what, what do I do? Do I curtsy? Do I bow? What do I do? We would, we would think about doing something because we've recognized royalty in the room. But Barak means to kneel, to bless God, to bow down. Kneeling in reverence, to literally bend at the waist as a sign of submission before the Lord. Scripture, Psalm 95, verse 6 says, O come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Why do we kneel before the Lord? He is our maker. It's so simple. Sometimes we forget it. We are made in his image and in his likeness. And, 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 and we need to bow before him because he is our maker. Elohim, our God. The second one is this. It's halal. Halal. And it comes from the Hebrew root word for hallelujah. And it means to be clear, to shine, to boast, to rave, to celebrate. And I love, I love this one. To be clamorously foolish. It means, to, in some senses, just to be bas- go berserk in the presence of God. I just, you know, just whatever it is. Just given. I'm sure we've all wanted to be clamorously foolish in the presence of God somehow. Psalm 113, this is where the the word is used. Praise the Lord. It's used in the word of praise, but it means to worship in this manner. Praise the Lord. Halal. O servants of the Lord. Halal, the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be halal, to be praised, to be worshipped, to be to be clamorously foolish in his presence, loving on him, giving our all to him in worship, in adoration, in our love. Number third one is this, Tehillah. And it is to sing praises, to sing out, to sing in spiritual spontaneity. Tehillah, Tehillah, sorry, Tehillah. It means to sing unrehearsed, unplanned praises. you know what that feels like with Camille. Oh, we're, we're changing the song. We're changing that song. It's like, okay. We've rehearsed this though. Oh yeah, but this is an unrehearsed one. Tahila means an unpraised praises, unplanned praises to the Lord. Psalm 22.3, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises or Tahila of Israel. It includes adding words yourself. I love this. When I found this, I thought, that is just me all over. I I always add words. To an existing song or singing in the spirit to the Lord. The fourth one is this, tauda. Tauda is extending hands, acting out of thanksgiving for what he has done for us. It's lifting our hands. The scripture that goes with this is Psalm 63, verse 4. Thus I will bless you while I live. Is, is that your heart? I will bless you while I live. And I will lift up my hands in your name. I will bless the Lord. 
I will bless the Lord at all times. I bless the Lord at all times. I haven't got Camille here today. Your praise will continually be in my mouth. <clears throat> I will bless the Lord at all times. Bless the Lord at all times. It's a lifestyle. It's not sometimes. But I will bless the Lord at all times. I will lift up my hands before the Lord, my King. And I just really want to encourage us that we are worshippers. Jesus is seeking him. He said, my Father is seeking those who will worship me in spirit and in truth. And these words, they help us understand the Hebrew and what they used to do back 2,000, 4,000, 6,000 years ago. But it's just as relevant then as it is for us today. We are to worship the Lord with our whole being. Worship really is about adoration and devotion. And it means this, adoration and devotion in the area of worship means intent, regard, and love for God. Fervent devotion to worship, blessing, and thanksgiving. And First Chronicles 16, 29 says, Give to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Like I say, you may be feeling that you are at the veil, but you don't feel like you've gone through the veil. Maybe there is sin in your life and you don't feel worthy to go into the veil. Do you know what? Jesus, when he died at the cross, said, you are going to be washed in my blood and you are worthy. He made us worthy. It's an impartation into your life, into your spirit, the worthiness. He said, be holy as I am holy. You can't be holy like God. It's an impartation of who God is into your life. Therefore, you are worthy because you are holy. You are worthy to come into the presence of God. Not because of what you've done, but because who he is in your life. He is worthy and he's made you worthy because you're in him. Worship is a response of the Spirit, our expressing adoration and devotion to Him. And this is really where I wanted to get to, and I've got about enough time to get to it. Many of you will be familiar with these next two passages. And there's something that I, two, two or three things that I want us to notice here. And as I was looking at this and studying these thoughts in the week, and, and, and I, I can't I cannot bring ownership to this. I found it, and I'd never seen it before, and I want to give thanks for God for revealing this to me as I, as I studied it this week. In Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, <clears throat> and it says this, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man in capital, man stood opposite him, with his capital sword drawn in his hand, capital. And Joshua went to him, capital, and said to him, capital, you are, are you for us or for our adversaries? So why do I keep on saying capital? Because there's something here 
that we need to take a grasp and look at that is very important. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold a man. It wasn't just a man. And this man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. We know that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. And Joshua went to him and he asked him this incredible question. Are you for us or are you against us? Because this person seemingly had no identification of who he was for. What happens next is amazing. Verse 14, Joshua 5, 14. So he said, no. It's like, no, 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 you're not for me or against me. He said, no. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Some people would say, oh, it must be an angel, the angel of the Lord. But we're never, ever told to worship angels. So this would not have been an angel. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. The word worshipped here is the Hebrew word shikar. And he said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the army, of the Lord's army, said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did it. So this is not some angel that Joshua has encountered. This is the captain of the army of the heavenly army. Of, uh, he, he is the captain of the hosts of the heavenly army, the Lord Most High. In fact, this is Jesus manifested in this moment, in this present. We know that Jesus manifested himself numerous times in the Old Testament in different situations. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar turned around and says, um, Did we not put three men in the fiery furnace? Yet I see four men walking in the fiery furnace. And the form of the fourth is like that of the Son of God. There's another occasion when Jesus turned up in the fiery furnace of life. Here we see the army of the Lord, the Lord of the host. This place where you stand is holy ground. Why, wherever Jesus is, it is holy ground. If we believe that, the, if, if, that God inhabits the praises of his people and we begin to praise in this place, we need to remember that this place is holy ground. This place is not just the empower center Bridgemary. It's just not the place where we come together and do church. This place is holy ground. You are seated in the presence of God in Bridgemary right now, and he is here with us. Where two agree, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. God is present in this room. Not because I prayed it, but because he inhabits the praises of his people. And where two or three are gathered in my name, I am present too. That should bring a gasp on the inside of every one of our heart. That God is here. That's why when Jesus was, was in a house and he said the presence of God is here to heal because he was there in that room. I believe every time we come together on a Sunday, the presence of God is here to heal. 
When, I'm, when we're singing, you can receive it because God is here. When we're preaching the word, signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word. You can receive healing. You can, you can receive wisdom. You can receive the answer to your prayer because he, the Lord of hosts, is here. I believe that's exciting. It's powerful. It's like, wow, how much more should we give him our very best in all that we do? So the first layer of spiritual significance to this word shakar means to depress in the Hebrew. It means to depress, to bow down, to fall down flat. It is a picture of humility in the presence of Yahweh. Those moments in praise and worship and you feel you just want to kneel down. Don't look around the room. Because worship is about the audience of one. It's not about who's sitting near you, next to you, behind you, in front of you. It's about the audience of one who's in this room. And if you feel you want to bow down and worship him, do it. If you want to dance around the room and, 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 and get your hanky out and get your Bible and fling your Bible around, wherever you, if it's, if it's for showmanship, I will come and have a word with you afterwards. If it's about the Lord, I will love it. Okay? So the first layer is this. It is to depress, to bow down, to fall down flat. It is, to pick, it is a picture of humility before the Lord. But... But it goes further than that. Because in the Hebrew, these letters tell us even more. And, and, and this is where I, I did a bit of a Hebrew study in not just one Hebrew area, but in numerous areas. And this is what shakar is spelt like. Sheen. <coughs> it's, a, it's a roll of the throat. <coughs> I can't do it. I don't want anything to come out. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm going to have to do it in an English way. <laughs> no. Chet. Chet. Ah, that's closer. Chet. All right? So it's Shen, Chet, Hey. That's the one. It's the roll of the throat. I can't do it. Don't ask me to do it all the way through this. Shaka. Sh I've forgotten how to spell say this now. Shekar, Shen, Chet, Hei. They're the three words. Shen, I've got a picture. That is the word Shen, or Shin, depending on how you want to pronounce it. There are various variations when I was looking. And it means a picture of teeth, which means to consume, to destroy, to press. This one letter, see this is a letter. This one letter, God uses over and over again to identify himself. Shen. It's the word God uses. This is who I am. Shen. The next word, next word is chet. <laughs> and it's this one. There we go. And it means the place of protection or refuge, the sanctuary, the inner room, the doorway, or the gateway. Jesus said, I am the door. 
This is in, this is, this, you piece this together and it just gets... He is the door. He is that inner room. Jesus broke the veil for us to pass through. And then, and, and the, put it this way, each of these, each of these lines also break down into meanings. And because of the length of the time of the meeting, I could not break down every, every jot and tittle is what they call them. Every stroke and every line is a jot and tittle. Um, so that, that one there, it's... And then we've got hay. And hay is outstretched arms and means to behold, to look up, to pay attention to what follows. And each of these pieced together means this, okay? So as we remove the second layer, the first one is to, to lift up hands, to worship, to bow down, to adore, to give of our heart. The next picture, if you go deeper, see there are level. Every single Hebrew Greek word, there's a level that we all see when we read the word. There is another level as we study to show ourselves approved. And there are hidden mysteries in the word of God that by the spirit of God, he reveals. And this is what it means. Removing the second layer of spiritual truth concerning the word shakar, we discover that the letters in this are an act of worship. And this is what it means. We are pressed down as we behold Elohim, the plurality of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as he draws us into the inner sanctuary where he identifies himself to us as we humble ourselves before him. He safely draws us close and builds a relationship with him. That's what we get from these three pictures. He draws us in. As we open up our heart in worship, he will draw us into the inner sanctuary. Are you willing for the Holy Spirit to lead you beyond what you've ever experienced in praise and worship before? Are you willing to go beyond the veil? Because we may not know what's beyond the veil. This is amazing. Shakar. It goes one step further. And it gets one step better. Because it tells us the reason why shakar is such an important word. The Hebrew letters are also numbers. And when you begin to look at the numbers that are represented by each of these words, you begin to realize why we shakar God. Sheen is the number 300, and it signifies the final blood sacrifice made by the perfect lamb of God. Can you imagine this? This is in the day of Joshua. This is in the day of the walls of Jericho, and God is revealing himself in a place where Joshua was going to bow down and worship because Joshua in the Greek is Joshua, in the Hebrew is Yeshua or Jesus. So Joshua is revealed by God something in Shekar that is so powerful it changes his life forever. Sheen is the number 300 and it signifies the final blood sacrifice made by the perfect lamb of God. 
Chet, I'll put it that way, is the number eight. Does anyone know what the number eight stands for? New beginnings. New beginnings. And hey is the number five and represents grace. You put those three together and you get this. Under this next level, it reveals that by the final blood sacrifice of Yeshua, Yeshua Hammer Shire, Jesus the Messiah, we have been given by grace a new beginning. 7,000 years or 6,000 years ago, a spiritual relevance was revealed to Joshua that is just as real for us today as they were about to go into the promised land. Jesus became our promised land. They were about to go into the promised land, into a place that flowed with milk and honey, where every battle that they went into, when their heart was right before God, they won. They saw the provision of God through miracles before they went in. They saw the blessing of God in the promised land on a daily basis because God said, you're entering into the promised land. Church, this is our promise revealed. It is the final blood sacrifice by Yeshua Hamashiach. Jesus, our Messiah. We have been given by grace a new beginning. Every one of us in this room that has called out to Jesus as our Lord and Savior have been given a new beginning. Not by works, but by His grace. Not because of what we've done, but because He went to the cross on our behalf. Isn't that amazing? Oh, I've been so excited all week long to share this with you because I've got so excited in my office. I've been thinking, yes, can I, I, can't, I can't, no wonder we worship. No wonder he's looking for a church that will worship him in spirit and in truth and go beyond the veil where he becomes our everything. This morning, you may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You may never have taken that step but you know what? Jesus over the years and the centuries and the millennia has been making this move for you, positioning you, preparing you for such a moment as this. Did you come because your husband or wife invited you? Did you come because your parents made you come to church today? I believe that this is a significant moment because Jesus wants to say something into your life. That today is the day of salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew, but also for the Gentile. And if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you've never prayed and asked him, come into my life, I repent of the sin of my life, I want my heart right with you, then today we're going to give you an opportunity to do so. Jesus loves you so much that he went to the cross to die for you. And when he died for you, he took your sin. The sins that you did last month, the sins that you did last year, the sins that you did as a child, he took all sin when he died upon the cross. For all men, for all time. It's a finished work. Today is about acknowledging 
what he's already done. So church, we're going to pray. We're going to pray a very simple prayer. I call it the prayer of introduction. I want to introduce you to the Jesus, the Jesus of the Old Testament, the Jesus of the New Testament, and the Jesus who is alive today. I want to introduce you to him. So we're going to pray a very simple prayer. I'm asking you to pray after me, um, and then I'm going to ask after three seconds, I'm going to give you three seconds, if you prayed it sincerely, to pop up your hand and to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then I may pray another prayer. So let's pray this nice and loud together. Jesus, I thank you that you revealed yourself many thousands of years ago. And today you've helped me see it. Jesus, I'm asking you to reveal yourself to me right now. That you would be my Lord and my Savior. Forgiving all my sin. Taking away my mistakes. And giving me the gift of life. Eternity with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, every head is bowed and every eye closed. Today you may be praying that prayer. Today a realization, a truth may have come into your heart. If you prayed that today, can I ask you to pop up your hand? I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. If you prayed that prayer and you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, just pop up your hand right now. Is there anybody in this room you say, yeah, that's me? You may be saying, oh, I've, I've journeyed with God, but I haven't really given him all my life. Let's go down that line. I've not given him my whole heart. Is there anybody in this room today and you say, Lord, that's me. I, I, I'm not, I haven't fully committed to you, but today I want to fully commit to you. Is there anybody in this room today and you say, yeah, that's me. I want to fully commit. Thank you. I'll see your hand. I want to fully commit. I want to fully give my life over. Thank you, Lord. Let me pray for each one of us. Father, I thank you that your heart for us is to know you. And I pray, Lord, that we would know you more and more. That we would worship you in spirit and in truth. Not for what we can get from you, but for who you are. You are the most high God. And we give you all the praise and all the thanks and all the worship. We give you our heart and we say, Father, call us as we pass through the veil and into that inner sanctuary. Lord, that we would behold your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic.